If you have a copy of God's Word, turn with me to Lamentations chapter 3. We'll be closing out. We're studying chapter 3. We're looking at verses 55 through 66. We're speaking on the topic return to the Lord again, as we did last Sunday. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 55 through 66. And part of uh, returning to the Lord uh, is it really takes courage. And that's what we'll be looking at and talking about here and seeing Jeremiah's courage that is based upon not his own strength, but upon the strength of God, based upon the character and the nature of God. If you remember, Jeremiah has already rehearsed uh, the nature and the character of God in verses 22 and 23, and that he concluded that great is his, is his faithfulness. If that is true, if God is faithfulness is so great, then how should we be living? How should we live our lives? And, and, and we see in Jeremiah's example that, that uh, we, we turn to God and we call out to him and cry out to him. Uh, and as far as our outline here this morning, uh, the main topic will be find courage in God. This is our main topic. And the sub point son of that, sub point number one is we find courage in God knowing that he hears our prayers. That'll be in verses 55 through 57. Knowing that he redeems us, he has redeemed us in Christ. Uh, that is found in verse 58. Verses 59 through 63, we'll see that uh, God sees everything that happens to you, good and bad. And lastly, we'll see that God will vindicate his people. So Lamentations chapter 3, verses 55 through 66 will be our focus here this morning. But I want to start in verse number 53, as you were 52. Jeremiah says, I have been hunted like a bird by those who were my enemies without cause. They had no reason, Jeremiah saying, to come after me and hunt me and to seek to take my life. Verse 53, they flung me alive into the pit and cast stones on me. Water closed over my head. I said, I am lost. I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ears to my cry for help. You came near when I called on you. You said, do not fear. You have taken up my cause, O Lord. You have redeemed my life. You have seen the wrong done to me, O Lord. Judge my cause. You have seen all their vengeance, all their plots against me. You have heard their taunts, O Lord, all their plots against me. The lips and thoughts of my assailants are against me all the day long. Behold, their sitting and their rising. I am the object of their taunts. You will repay them, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. 
you will give them dullness of heart. Your curse will be on them. You will pursue them in anger and destroy them from under the heavens, O Lord. God's holy word may bless his holy word here this morning. So I want to ask you, where do you turn in the midst of great suffering in your life? In the midst of trouble in your life? Where, where do you turn? Where do you turn when you are overwhelmed? When it seems as all the doors of opportunities in your life are closed? What do you do when there are no options that can give you relief from perhaps the suffering that you are experiencing in your life? Where do you turn? Where do you go? And I ask you this, have where you turn given you courage? Have that which you look to for for comfort, have it given you the courage to live for God, to proclaim his name, to make his fame known wherever you go. For us as the children of God, we know that there is only one place for us to turn. There's only Better yet, there is only one person to whom we can turn. When we're in pain, when we're suffering, and that's to the Lord himself. When, when you turn to him, when you turn to the Lord to know him and, and to, to know the amazing promises that we have in him, to know the amazing grace that God has giving, given us in Christ. If you know those things, then that will give you the courage to turn to him for help and to continue to live for him regardless of what you're going through. Life is difficult, but God has given us his grace. And as Pastor Mark read, that 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 wonderful passage, God's grace is sufficient for where you are right now in your life. Everybody hear what I'm telling you? Wherever, what you came in here, the, the, the issues you came in here that were on your mind, the things that you've been dealing with all week, God says his grace is sufficient. But there's one thing. It is sufficient. It is made perfect in your weakness. You, you can't live by the grace of God, trying to live by your own strength. And, and 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 we'll talk about why is that so? Why is it that God puts us in circumstances where we have to depend upon him? Whether I just tell you right now uh, that that God does that for his glory and for the good of others. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. But with Jeremiah, Jeremiah, he I mean, he is the prophet of God. He has done what God has called him to do, and yet he's suffering. He, in verse 52, he said that I've been hunted like a bird by those who were my enemies without cause. There is no reason why 
they these individuals, these enemies of mine should be coming after me. Jeremiah is doing the work of God. And and here it is, uh, his enemies are 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 hunting him down and they pursued him and hunting him down like a bird. He says that in verse 52 In verse 53, his enemies put him in a pit. Put him in a pit. And, and in the pit, he says in verse 54, he was trapped and engulfed by water that rose above his head. Now, I say this, I make this point because Jeremiah, there was a time when Jeremiah was put into a pit in Jeremiah chapter 38, verse six. But if you go and read that passage, Jeremiah, in that passage, it said that there was mud in the pit, but there was no water. So, what is Jeremiah saying here? What is he saying in Lamentations? Well, Jeremiah is speaking metaphorically again. He's taking what he has gone through, his experiences, and he's taking the experiences of the people and he is speaking in a figurative sense and saying that, that just like for him, the people feel like they're, they are perishing. Jeremiah said, he said that, they flung me into the pit and cast stones on me. Water closed over my head. I said, I am lost. What does he mean, I am lost? That means that Jeremiah felt that he, he was about to die. That he was, he was at a place in the war and, and, and speaking figuratively again. And, and, and just think that, that what the, the, the nation of Israel is experiencing is, is terrible. And, 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 and no doubt, they too feel like their lives are about to be taken. That that their lives that they're starving. Uh, they they are there are those who have gone into captivity and, and and serving as slaves in Babylon. There are those who are left behind in Jerusalem. They're starving. There's there's mothers that are starving. They can't feed their babies. Their babies are dying on their lap. And and and. And Jeremiah understands that the people, the perspective that they have at this moment is that they think that they're going to die. So Jeremiah is melding his what he has gone through and 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 what the people are going through. He's taking these things and he's putting them together and he is speaking in a figurative sense. And also notice Jeremiah has spoken. He has said he. He has spoken as she. He has spoken as they. Jeremiah is is lamentations is a is a poetic express is these are five poetic laments and Jeremiah is 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 speaking in a in a poetic sense uh, uh, in our passage. Now I just want to make that clear because we're going to talk about Jeremiah being in a pit here uh, again in in uh, in our passage, and I want you to understand that Jeremiah is speaking in a figurative sense uh, about being in a pit to identify with the people. And, and when talking about a pit, it, it, it is really, Jeremiah is really pointing to the distress of the people and, and, and that they're in grave danger. They're, they're, they're in grave danger and they have, uh, they're in great need. There's a great need that, that the people have. And so Jeremiah is, is one is again laying out, uh, an example uh, to encourage 
the, the people uh, of God who, who are weakened, no doubt. Uh, their faith is weakened by the suffering that they have gone through. And, and suffering can do that. Suffering can, can weaken the faith of the strongest believer. It, 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 it can do that. Uh, it, I, I'm think, I, was, I was thinking about this this morning. My mind went to Jer- uh, James chapter 5, verse 14, where it says, is, is anyone sick among you? Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let, him, let them pray for him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, that may seem like that's, that's kind of unusual. The health wealth would take that and say, you, get, you literally get some oil and you go and you, uh, you, you, you anoint people so that they can be healed. But what James is saying in this passage is that, the, that there are those who are, who are sick could refer to being caught up in sin, a believer caught up in sin, or a believer being literally sick. And 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 what the elders ought to do is that when they are in this place, they're to go to them, take oil. Why why the anointing? To go to a, and identify with them in their weakened state. These 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 individuals are weak. They're weakened by their sin. They're or or they're weakened by their by their suffering. And the elders go to them and 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 take all and put it on them wherever you know and say the lord is with you i i know that you're struggling as you are in the circumstances that you're in but take comfort the lord has not has not given up on you that that's an important ministry of 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 the elders in the church to to encourage to strengthen the faith of those who are struggling in in the congregation and, 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 and we see this with Jeremiah. This is what Jeremiah is doing. He is he is coming alongside the people to strengthen them, to 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 help encourage them, to 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 help them walk in a way that honors God. And so I want to pause right here and ask you. Do you see God using you? To strengthen God using you in the circumstances and the circumstances that you in to strengthen others. Think on that as we look at our passage here this morning. We see in verse number 55, we'll see verses 55 through 57 that God hears the prayers of those who are his children. We, we should find comfort in that. And, and be encouraged by that reality. Jeremiah says, I called on your name. There was no other place for Jeremiah to go. <laughs> he has reached the, he was in the pit. He, he was at the lowest point of his life. And he said, I called on your name, O Lord. Jeremiah called out to Yahweh. Israel's covenant-keeping God. And this is important. Jeremiah is suffering along with the people, but he has always had in his mind God's great faithfulness. He, 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 he hasn't forgotten about that, 
And so as he's suffering, as he's going through, he called on the name of the Lord. If the Lord is who he says he is, then the response of those who know him, they should relate to him as he has revealed himself. And that's what Jeremiah is doing. He is building on what he has said about the Lord in verses 22 and 23. He is building on this, on, on that reality and show that that he believes that God is faithful, that his faithfulness is, is that, that his mercies are new every morning. Jeremiah calls on him. He is building on the theology that he is living out the theology that he knows. He never lost his faith. He, he never lost his faith or fell into complete hopelessness. Jeremiah was feeling hopeless, but he never gave in to complete hopelessness. He continued to be a praying man, knowing that because of, of who God is, God will always be faithful to his people. And when they call on him, God will listen. God will hear. There will come a time when God will hear. Remember, Jeremiah said at one point that God had clothed himself with, with uh, covered himself with the clouds and he wasn't hearing the prayers of the people. But if the scripture says God's mercies are new every morning, even if God has closed the doors of heaven for a season of time, we keep on knocking. We keep on knocking at the door. We, and what does that say? What does that, what does that reveal about God that he is God? What does it reveal about us that we're dependent upon him? That's why when we come, we, we, in our prayer, Prayer on Wednesday night, we keep on, we take prayer requests and until that prayer request is answered, we keep knocking at the door of heaven. Because we, we, we know that we're dependent upon God. And unless he answers, unless he comes through in a favorable way in the situation that we are praying for, there is no help for those we are praying for outside of God. God has to come through on their behalf if they're going to uh, if they're going to be helped. So Jeremiah said, I called on the name of the Lord. I called on your name, O Lord. And this has been the instruction throughout all of Scripture. Scripture instructs the people of God to cry out to him in times of trouble. In Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. God says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. It's Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Psalm 50, verse 15 says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. Now, I'm reading from the King James. I like the way the King James Version says. Call upon in the when you are in trouble, God commands you to call upon him. He invites you to call upon him. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Psalm 34 and 17. Jeremiah, these are this is what Jeremiah knows about God. When I cry unto thee, thou shalt 
uh, then shall my enemies turn back for uh, this I know for God is for me. Psalm 56 and 9. Jeremiah calls on the name of the Lord showing that he never let go of what he knew about God. He never let it go. He never let that knowledge go. He, he in a pit, in, in, in a time of desperation, he said, I, I called on the name Lord. And notice he says here, he says, oh Lord. This, this, this phrase, oh Lord, is used five times in these 10 verses that we're, we're looking at here in Lamentations, in verses 55 through 66. Oh Lord is used five times in these 10 verses. And, and why is that? This, this shows that Jeremiah, there's a sense of, of earnestness and, and there's a sense of emotional intensity in this calling out to God. Je Jeremiah is just not, you know, he is not just just saying, you know, he, he he all that he is is in this. Oh, Lord. There's intensity to this this petition. And, and why? Why is that? He said, notice the, te uh, the text, he says, from the, the depths of the pit, from, from the. The, the deepest hole, Jeremiah called out to the Lord for help. And the people themselves, they are, they have gotten themselves into a, they dug themselves into a deep hole. They have sinned and now they're suffering the consequences of their sins. And, 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 and they are, are in the depths of the pit of their sin. And so Jeremiah said, and he's giving them an example saying, I called out to the Lord from the depths of the pit. This was a, a battle, a battle of faith for Jeremiah. And think about this. God allowed Jeremiah. God allowed Jeremiah to go through the suffering that he's going through. We have to say that because we believe God is sovereign, right? If God is sovereign, then Jer what Jeremiah is going through at the hands of the enemies what he went through, at, at, even at the hands of the people that he was trying to help, all that Jeremiah went through, all the suffering, all the pain that Jeremiah has experienced, he experienced because that was God's sovereign purpose and plan for him. Why? To drive him to prayer. This is what, why is it that Jeremiah is praying? Because God has put him in, in, in situations and circumstances that gives him only one option to cry out to God, to cry out to the Lord, to cry out to Yahweh. There's only one place. There is only one option that Jeremiah know will work, and that's crying out to God. So, God has allowed Jeremiah to suffer in order to drive him to pray. And, and also, God has allowed Jeremiah to suffer so that he can write lamentations. So that he can identify with those who are suffering, those who are hurting. 
to he, to identify with them, to give them the wisdom and the and to instruct them on how to return to the Lord. God has driven them to prayer. God has given Jeremiah the environment to gain wisdom to help others. To instruct them in the ways of God. This is this is the it's almost like what Paul is doing when he boasted in his weakness. Jeremiah said, unashamedly, I cried from from the depths of the pit for the pert when why, why is it that that Jeremiah is doing it in order to glorify God and to be a benefit of the people? There's an interesting psalm. Turn to Psalm 102. Psalm 102. Psalm 102, and I'll uh, read verses 1 and 2, and then we'll drop down to verse number 18. This is the psalmist who is being afflicted. He's praying. Notice verse 1. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. Why? What? And what is the goal of this prayer? No doubt to receive relief, but also notice verse 18. <laughs> when God answers his prayer, he says, let this be recorded. For a generation to come. So that so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. Think about that for a minute. The psalmist is praying. He's he, he is crying out to God. And 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 and, and the aim and the, and the, the ultimate goal is so that when God answers his prayer, other people will be benefited. Generations after him will be benefited by what God has done in his life. Do you realize that God has a purpose for what you're going through? Not just to glorify him, but for you to be a blessing to other people. When was the last time you shared the wisdom that you have learned from God working in your life? When you, when was the last time you sat down with somebody who was, who was, suffering or struggling and you share some a wisdom from the word of God with them in order to encourage them and strengthen them in their faith. When was the last time you did that? Maybe you haven't because you're you're focused on yourself. Our lives, Jeremiah is sharing what has happened in his life because 
he realizes that his life don't belong to him. Your life don't belong to you. Your suffering, what you're dealing with, do not belong to you. We are the sheep of the Lord's pasture. And, and Jeremiah is, is again, I, I believe he's writing this because remember, it was Jeremiah that got the, the vision down at the potter's house. Turn Jeremiah 18. Jeremiah is not just crying out for help. No doubt he wants relief for himself, but there is a bigger picture that Jeremiah is, is realizing that is being painted by God. Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah realized there's something bigger going on with him and the people of Israel. Jeremiah 18, starting at verse one. Then that uh, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house and there he was working at his will. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. No doubt Jeremiah remembered this. Even as he has written them, he remembers that the people of God, because of their sin, are spoiled in the potter's hand. They're not living according to God's divine design for them as a nation and so he said he reworked it into another he's looking at the, the potter working this clay was marred it was it was it was it was marred and he's he's he took the clay off and put it back on the wheel and and he's forming something new and it said then the word of the lord came to me as a matter of fact, let me go back because I, I didn't read everything. He says, and the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, no vessel for use, as it seemed good to the potter to do. As it's, he formed, the potter formed the vessel as it seemed good, good to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Is not Jeremiah in the house of Israel? Yes. He's part of the house of Israel. And, and there is a purpose that, that God has in molding and making the nation even now in their suffering. God is, is the potter and, and and his people, including Jeremiah, are the clay. And God can do with his life whatever he wants. He can put him in a pit. He can put him in a pit, make him cry out, make him cry out on his knees to him. God is, is, is the sovereign potter and we're nothing but the clay. God, God is, 
for you and I, God is shaping and molding your life and mine. Even in the times of suffering, God, there's a purpose that, that God has in, in allowing us to go through what we're going through. Not so that we can go through and, and we end up looking at ourselves and, and, and looking at how good we look. It's like a, a pot that has been molded coming off the wheel looking at itself. That's absurd. God's purpose for you and I in shaping our lives is for his glory. He molds us. He uses us to benefit other believers. And this is what Jeremiah is doing. He is, he is, I cried out from a pit because he realizes the Lord has been shaping his life in order to be a vessel for him so that he can use Jeremiah to encourage the people. So how did God respond to Jeremiah's call from the pit, from the depths of the pit? Jeremiah said, you heard my plea. Jeremiah gives a couple of divine actions, uh, a couple of divine action. The first divine action was that Jeremiah cried out and he said, you heard my plea. And you notice in this, in these passages that it, there's uh, the act, the activity that is being taken is all by God. You heard my plea. God hears the prayers of those who are in he had coveted himself to in love. Even for us as believers, we are in Christ and God hears our prayers as his children. And he will answer with a yes or no. But God hears. That, that, that should encourage us to pray to God as often as we can. And Jeremiah is, is, is writing this to the people of God. For the day as a nation can cry to him. So Jeremiah, in his personal experience, God heard his plea. Yahweh heard his plea. What was his plea? He said, do not close your ear to my cry for help. Remember, God had presented himself as, uh, as, uh, as one. Uh, Jeremiah saw him as, as one with a cloud around him who has closed himself off to their prayers. But now it is God has heard Jeremiah. And Jeremiah understands that God has heard him in the past and he cries out, do not close your ear to my cry for help. Alistair Bed said, I was listening to him this week and he said, God's care for his children is like the sunshine. It is constant. Even though the clouds obscure it, it doesn't mean that the sun isn't there. Even though it may seem that God is not answering your prayer, it, even though it may seem that God is not listening, he is still there. He hasn't gone. God never sleeps nor slumbers. He is still there. He is always there. And, and, and so not only did God hear his plea, but God acted. Verse 57, you came near when I called on you. God heard Jeremiah's plea and drew near to him to deliver him. And, then, and so because of this, Jeremiah has assurance that God will have mercy upon his people and help his people. 
and God being near is is always good. Knowing that God is near. The psalmist said in Psalm 73, verse 28, the nearness of God is my good. This is the psalm where Asaph is is struggling, dealing with the success of those who are wicked. And, and he quickly, God helped him and enable him to see things as they truly are, that he, regardless of what his enemies are doing, regardless of the, what the wicked are doing, he's in a good place because God is near him. In Psalm 145, verse 18, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And God, so Jeremiah called upon God and God came near. And God not only came near to him, God spoke and said, he said, you said, do not fear. This is similar to Isaiah 41 and 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is, this is the heritage of, of God's people, that, that we should not live in fear, uh, even in our suffering, if, if, if it's coming at the hands of those who are wicked. Don't fear. Don't live in fear. Isaiah 44 and 8 says, fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. Do you live as if God is God? You live in fear? Or are or, or do you live within a with a life that is amazed by the grace of God? And 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 in that amazement, you you make it known to others. Jeremiah goes on, he says, You have taken up my cause, O Lord. You have redeemed my life. This is another metaphor. And in a sense, this is a these following verses were is has a lot of legal language in it. And when he says here, you have taken up my cause, God, he is saying that Yahweh has acted like his advocate and his defender against his enemies. God, that, that, that God has taken up his cause. And now God is the one who is, who is uh, going to deal uh, with the enemy's plots, which we're getting ready to talk about here. Notice in verse 59, he said, you have seen the wrong done to me, O Lord. Judge my cause. If you're suffering at the hands of those who are wicked, we learn here that God sees. God sees. God, part of our suffering in the world uh, will come at the at, in being mistreated by others. But Jeremiah. And his life, he he came to know that God, God see God sees what others do against his children, and, and this should bring us comfort, knowing that the all-knowing one, the omniscient one, the God God not not only hears but he sees. He sees everything concerning his children. 
And just as Jeremiah and Israel could be sure that that they were in uh, good hands with God, beloved, you and I. We can be encouraged that God, we're in good hands. Because God is, there's never a point in our lives where God ceased to be sovereign. There, there, there's never a point in our lives where God ceased to be working for our good and for his glory in our lives. No matter how difficult it may be, it, it may be somebody cussing you out at work. God sees it. God allowed it. And it's for your good. Jeremiah said, you have seen the wrong done to me, O Lord. Judge my cause. You have seen all the vengeances, all their plots against me. God sees every God sees everything, all the wrong, all the 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 the, the mistreatment. All, he, he says he sees all the vengeance and all the schemes. It, they, they're scheming. They're, they're those who are scheming against Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, I'm God sees it all. Verse 61, you have heard their taunts, O Lord, all their plots against me. Jeremiah, he, he repeats this. He's also heard the 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 what what, what is what, what they're saying in secret against Jeremiah. <laughs> saying it a time time and time again. Verse 62, the, the lips and 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 thoughts of my say God hears. He says the lips and the God even knows the thoughts of those who are coming against Jeremiah or against me all the day long. They're, they're, they're starting rumors about Jeremiah. They're mocking him. They're taunting him. They're plotting against him. And Jeremiah acknowledges God is aware of everything that happened. He says in verse 63, behold, they're sitting and they're rising. I am the object of their taunts. They, they get up in the morning, they go to bed, and, and their purpose is to be against me. But Jeremiah doesn't end just, just saying that God is aware of everything. Jeremiah un, understands ultimately God will vindicate him. He understands that those who do evil, who set themselves up against the Lord, against his people, against his servants, God will deal with them. Jeremiah knew that, that God would pay back his enemies for their wicked deeds, for, for what their hand, he says, uh, verse 64, you will repay them, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. Why, why does Jeremiah say according to the work of their hands? Remember, Bab the, the Babylonians are being used as God's instruments uh, as God's instrument uh, against his people, to come against his people. But what Jeremiah is saying here is that God is going to hold them accountable for what they have done to God's people. God used this nation to come against the nation of Israel, and yet God is going to hold them responsible for what they did. He did. It's, it's the same with uh, uh, Judas. Judas betrayed our Lord, but it said of Judas that he was that 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 was what he was purposed to do. 
God, it was uh, from from time from from the beginning. That was the purpose in which Judas, Judas was raised up to betray our Lord. By God. And God is going to hold him responsible for that betrayal. The Babylonians, they are they have come in, they have killed uh, uh, a lot of the people of God. They're causing them to suffer. Because God sent them to do that, and yet God is going to hold them accountable for their wickedness. God will pay them back. Jer- Jeremiah understands this. Uh, even uh, uh, they're responsible. He says in verse 65, you will give them dullness of heart. What, what is Jeremiah saying? God is going to give them spiritual blindness. <laughs> Just like Pharaoh. Said Pharaoh hardened his heart, and then it said God hardened his heart. God will make them, he will give them, and, and what, what Jeremiah is saying is God is going to give them what they want. They're coming against the people of God, and God is going to give them spiritual blindness, and it's going to lead to a hardness of heart. And Jeremiah says, You will give them dullness of heart, your curse will be on them, just like Egypt. Pharaoh and his army that came against the people of God. In verse 66, he says, you will pursue them in anger and destroy them from under your heavens, O Lord. God is inescapable. We can't escape as his children, his presence. Everything that takes place in our lives is in his presence. And everything that those who are wicked who come against the people of God, they too cannot escape his presence. And Jeremiah talks about uh, judging uh, the Babylonians. If you want to go read it later on, Jeremiah 51. Jeremiah uh, prophesied that God's judgment would eventually come upon the Babylonians for their sins against the people of God, against against Israel and against Judah. God will judge them for their for what they have done, even though they are God's instruments. And someday for us, beloved, God will vindicate us. If you've been mistreated, if you've been abused, if you've suffered uh, at the hands uh, of those who, who have wronged you, who have mistreated you, God will one day vindicate us as well. Perhaps you're being mocked for your faith. Perhaps you're being persecuted. Perhaps there someone is or people are looking upon your intentions and, and they're slandering you. They're slandering your name. But but there's a, a day coming in the future where, where God's people, all who are God's people, will be vindicated. Now, before I say that, before I go on, this is not, we're not to take revenge upon those who are wicked. Jeremiah is not talking about revenge. He is talking about the promise that God has made to take care of the wicked. This is what Jeremiah is is rehearsing. And for us today, we are to love our enemies. We're not to take vengeance. Our Lord said, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. 
Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who treat ill treat you in Luke 6 verses 27 through 8. For on the day of judgment, God will, God, God himself will be vindicated. He'll deal with sinful man. Jesus Christ, who was mocked and, and put to death on the cross, he will be vindicated. How do we know? Philippians 2 verses 10 and 11 says that, that, the, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That is our vindication. We in Christ, our Lord, all those who have opposed our Lord, who has opposed the work of the gospel, who has opposed our witness, they will bow the knee to Christ one day. That is our vindication in Christ. They will bow the knee to him, to our Lord, to our Savior. So we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart in what we're going through because God has purposed it. God has ordained it. God has ordained your suffering. Whether it's, it's spiritual suffering, whether it's physical suffering, God has ordained that for you, beloved. And he's, he hasn't done it so that he, you know, as, as, as punishment or he's doing ill against you. No, God has ordained it so that you can glorify him. As you can proclaim, as he gives you the grace to, to, to walk through your suffering, God does that so that you can go to others and say, God is a good God. He can keep you. And, and if you continue to live for him, suffer for him, do his work, proclaim the good news, tell others about him. Then one day you'll hear, you hear these words. Well done. The journey will be over. I don't know about you, but I want to hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. I want to hear those words. I want to hear those words so I live the way that I live now. Beloved, if you want to hear those words, then that then you should be living in a way where God where you say to God, use me, God, the way in a way that that glorifies you. Do not take your hands off of me. Mold me. Make me into a vessel that is that is that glorifies you. So at the end. I can stand before you and hear those words, those precious words. Amen. Let's pray. Father, there is great suffering in this world of ours. Many of us are not experiencing great suffering, but there are those who are. And Father, they need to, they, they need your grace. Your grace that will strengthen them. And that, and, and that grace comes as they grow in their understanding of your love for them, your promises for them in Christ, and the hope 
that they have in Christ. Father, we, we, we thank you that Jeremiah has, is, as your prophet, that he has given these words of instruction, words where he is transparent on what is going on in his life in order to encourage the people of God. May we be the same. May, may we be like Jeremiah, understanding that you have made us the way that we are. You have given us the circumstances and situations that we are in so that you can use us as a vessel to glorify your holy name. And not only that, but to learn during our dark times, during the troubles of life, during the difficult circumstances, during the difficult suffering, that we can learn something about, about, about you and about Christ that we can take and tell others who uh, uh, perhaps will go and experience the same thing that we have experienced. Father, you, you call us to comfort others with the comfort that we have received. Father, our lives do not belong to ourselves. Nothing that you have done in our lives that, that is a result of your goodness and your grace, it does not belong to us. And shame on us when we, if we're shameful to speak of your goodness. Shame on us if we're we're shameful to speak of the fact that we've been bought with a price. Shame on us. And we live in a world where, where the world is proclaiming all of their filth and all of their wickedness. And if we don't, if we hold on to the words of truth concerning you, then in reality, we're not your children. And you said in your word that if we are ashamed of you, you will be ashamed of us. Father, I heard someone this recently. Speaking in a threatening way. And this is an example of what we all will encounter when we go out into not just our workplace, but into the world in which we live. We're going to encounter people who will come against us. May we stand bold upon the truth that we know about you. And may we never be ashamed of you. Because that's why you left us here to proclaim the goodness of your grace to the watching world around us. Help us to do these things for the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name I pray. Amen.